What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. What's happening, guys? We're back for another New Vision Podcast. Cloud with you here. And we're continuing on again through the book of Mark. Now we're in chapter 13. Um, and so I'm just want to be straightforward with you guys. We're getting in chapter 13 overall, which will be split up into today's episode and tomorrow's episode deals with this thing called eschatology. Eschatology is a fancy word for the study of the end times or the theology of the end times. And just to be honest with you, I think this is wrong with me, but eschatology is one of my least favorite things to talk about. (laughs) And I think that's wrong with me. Um, but I, I want to clarify, like, it's not the truths and it's not, you know, the events themselves that I don't particularly, it's the enthusiasm, which some other people, uh, pour into studying the end times. And so that kind of has, has turned me off over the years. And, um, I think that's wrong. And so I wanted to sign up for this one and uh, Pastor Ben's going to be with you guys tomorrow to wrap this up. But but chapter 13 in the other accounts of the Gospels is, you know, what is known as the Olivet Discourse, and it is very difficult. It's it's a lot like the book of Daniel, some of the eschatology that you see there, and, of course, the book of Revelation. Now, we've been through Revelation as a church, uh, or at least we went through the, the seven letters to the churches, which is really one of the easiest parts of Revelation. It doesn't get into the, the symbolism of the, all the beasts and all that kind of stuff. But here we have some of that stuff. And so um, it's a little easier, the first part of chapter 13, and Pastor Ben's going to have the more difficult part tomorrow. But let's go ahead and get into it and, and study the Word for ourselves. Hopefully you're reading along with us. I'll be reading out of the ESV, as usual. And so this is Mark chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And What will be the signs when all these things come to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to the councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against their parents, and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end 
will be saved. And it will continue tomorrow with Ben into the more difficult parts of chapter 13. So anyway, the first point that I have in regards to this chapter 13 Olivet Discourse is that eschatology often has both an imminent and a distant fulfillment. Eschatology often has both an imminent and distant fulfillment. Now, this is my view. And when it comes to texts like this or any eschatology, there's always a ton of views. I know of at least three major ones. But when it this text particularly, there's some people that, that read this and he's talking about, okay, the buildings will be torn down. No one, nothing will be left. Nothing will happen until it's preached to all the nations. The rumors of wars, earthquakes, those kind of things, birth pains, you know, be on your guard. They'll deliver you over, all, all these things. So they see that and they're like, oh, he's talking just about the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem in 70 AD or 70 common era, whatever description you have there. So there's a little history and we'll go into that in a second. But then there's this other camp that sees this text and is like, oh, no, no, no. He's only talking about the end end times, like revelation type stuff. And I don't, I don't see that those need to be mutually exclusive. I think it's both. And that's why I say it's an imminent prophecy, but it's also a distant prophecy that will be fulfilled. In other words, a lot of times in the old Testament, when, when there was a prophet who, who made this prediction or whatever, it would have an, an immediate fulfillment, right? But then if you look deeper into the meaning, as we look now in retrospect, it's like, oh, wow, that's talking about Jesus as well. And so I think the same thing that happened in the Old Testament with Old Testament prophecy that the people in those times didn't fully get, but then would later see that prophecy would come to an even bigger fulfillment of something even deeper, I think will be the same case here in the New Testament in our era, the church era, with things that have come to pass, but yet have not yet come to pass in the fulfillment of prophecy. And so I think that it is both imminent, in other words, very soon that Jesus says this is going to happen, and also very distant. So a type, uh, a lot of theologians call that typology. It's a type, it's an archetype of the end times, capital E, end times. So does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. So eschatology has both an imminent and distant fulfillment. I'm not, like I said before, super excited about getting really in-depth on the distant part, which I think is what a lot of people really, really want to know, and they spend a lot of time talking about that stuff. And, and like I said, Ben tomorrow will be talking about that more with you guys. But today, I wanted to talk about the, kind of the imminent part and the history of, of kind of the destruction of the temple and kind of what Jesus is talking about. So... Jesus, here in verse 3, when he's teaching this, says he's on the Mount of Olives, which I think is a, an important location, and we'll get to that here in a second. But you got to remember at the time when Jesus is teaching this, okay, he's just east, right, right outside the walls of Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. He's teaching outside in Jerusalem, and we're in the, in the, the region of Judea, Samaria, that, that kind of area. Judea at this time is a client kingdom to Rome, and we all know Herod He's like the local puppet of the Roman in their Roman province. Okay, so uh, Jerusalem has been taken over and they're under occupation. Okay, so we know we've seen this in the past couple of weeks. 
that there's these different factions within Jewish culture itself. You have the Pharisees, scribes, the left wings, the right wings, the moderates. Like some people like like Rome. Some people want to kick Rome out. Some people want to separate. They're fighting. They're squabbling amongst themselves. It's a mess. But at the same time, Rome is kind of this common enemy. And so despite all the inner squabbling, ultimately, uh, they organize a rebellion. And this is called the Great Jewish Revolt that happens around 66 AD or Common Era and where basically Judean separatist groups uh, revolt, and they actually crush a few Roman legions. They get their weapons. They have the, all these siege materials that they've captured, armor, and they've, they've organized this defense, and they, they take up arms and fortify the city of Jerusalem and all the, the regions surrounding cities. And so they basically kick Rome out in around 66 AD. So this revolt, the, the Great Jewish Revolt, is about you know, 40 years after Jesus' teaching here, and the revolt itself lasts about four years until Rome can come back and, and put that rebellion to bed to subdue the region. And so Nero, we know the emperor Nero is, is emperor at this time, and he, he sends a, a commander called Vespasian. And Vespasian leads this campaign against the whole region. They go through from settlement to settlement, crushing all the settlements, you know, the Jewish armies and that kind of stuff. And they're moderately successful, but ultimately Jerusalem is still, you know, fortified and organized in a defense, and Rome has to basically flee. They don't get the job done. That's why it takes about four years. And finally, there's all this mess in Rome at the time. Uh, Nero is actually pushed out of power, and Vespasian becomes the new emperor. And so in around 70 AD, Vespasian sends his son Titus to go on in the next campaign, and this will be the final campaign to subdue the city of Jerusalem itself. And so the siege of the city begins around that time in 70 AD. They surround the city. And what's very interesting is one of the, the large legions that set up camp outside of Jerusalem was on the Mount of Olives and that, that east of the city gates, kind of looking towards the temple. And there's they fight and they, they level the land so their siege materials can make way. And the, the city's surrounded. And this is just picture your Hollywood epic movie kind of fight, boulders being crashed through the walls, that kind of thing. And it goes on for a while. Uh, you know, they're trying to, to starve them out. And so finally, starving them off, completely destroying these walls and all these campaigns and, and back and forth warfare, everything's destroyed. I mean, they go from the upper city to the stronghold, and then they finally take over the temple and literally destroy it, burn it, knock it to the ground. Everything is totally destroyed. The houses, the archives, everything, and they massacred. It's it's reported that hundreds of thousands of civilians are killed off when this is all said and done. And so we have the benefit of history and studying this in retrospect as it's been recorded. We have all these historians and all this stuff. It took place. This stuff happened. And you see Jesus' descriptions, especially since he's teaching on the Mount of Olives, kind of show that, all right, here was this fulfillment. But his disciples don't get, they don't have that benefit. So they don't see the distinction between an immediate and a distant fulfillment in eschatology. And so anyways, all that to say, I've, I've spent a lot of time talking about history today. And if history annoys you, well, there you go. You don't like history. Well, I don't like eschatology. So we'll, we'll just listen together. And no, I'm just joking. But I'm, I'm thankful that we get to study deeper and, and see what was going on when Jesus was teaching and what came to pass. And it really gives weight to Jesus's words. And I wanted to point off with something practical, if you haven't tuned out yet, because this is boring, to close out, 
We should spend less of our energy on the things that we don't understand. We should spend less of our energy on the things we don't understand. I actually got that point uh, talking with Pastor Philip in the hallway, and he showed me this book that had this really cool picture of a pie graph that talked about, hey, we, you know, unfortunately, what tends to occupy a lot of our attention and energy as Christians is unfortunately it's the speculative. So the distant, the, the far, far distant, like at the end of the day, it's sometimes speculative. We see what the word says. There's things that we just don't get. We don't know. It's symbolism for a reason. Uh, there's things that we do know. I don't want to say that, that it's completely unknowable, but we spend too much of our attention and energy on those speculative things. What should occupy most of our attention and energy is sure things. So obedience, like continuing to walk in faith in Jesus. And as we'll see tomorrow, we continue on in chapter 13 that we should expect things to get worse, right? But we should also expect Jesus to remain faithful. That's something that should occupy most of our time and our energy is Jesus' faithfulness. And what he says comes to pass, but he is faithful and he will eventually redeem everything and subdue it unto the, the true kingdom and recreate the heavens and the earth. And we can enjoy that and walk with him forever. That is what we look forward to in the end times, the eschatology, the distant. And so hope you come back tomorrow as we hear from Pastor Ben. And we'll see you guys then. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.